Welcome back to On The Wire. I'm Sarah Krupp. Today, we discuss the chasm between vulnerable children who need mental health care at this critical time and those actually getting it. While many children, especially low-income black and brown youth, are now struggling with more stress, anxiety, and isolation, most are not receiving mental health care. Today, we speak to Nadia Marshani, who oversees Fred French Youth and Family Services school-based counseling programs in Alameda County, about why that could have detrimental, lasting effects and what can be done. Most parents and guardians are unaware, but there are resources for low-income children who are in Medi-Cal or are eligible for Medi-Cal to secure therapy at no cost. Let's start with Nadia. My name is Nadia Mershani. I am the program director for Alameda County School-Based Programs at Fred Finch. Nadia supervises 18 therapists who provide some 350 students in Hayward and Oakland with mental health counseling. For the most part, the children engaging in therapy, which transitioned in March from in-person, on campus, to phone and video chat, are holding steady. Some are even doing better. This is the goal during a time of crisis, where stresses have multiplied and routines dissipated. She and the therapists are deeply concerned for their students, many who are experiencing food and housing insecurity. Fred Finch therapists have jumped in to try to alleviate these basic needs, delivering food and providing resources. She worries how their students who are already behind in school will fare after more than a year of online classes. But what haunts Nadia most is that the most vulnerable children who need therapy are not getting it, and they are not getting it at a critical time, one that could change the course of their lives. Without support, they may slip through the cracks, which have only widened since the pandemic. If they are held back or find school overwhelming when schools reopen, what will happen? Will they internalize negative messages like, Maybe I am that person they said I am. My concern is that when they're not getting the mental health support, because right now, again, we are in crisis mode. We are in survival mode. And so if we can help keep them afloat, and again, we're all trying to just survive. If we can keep them afloat and carry them through this, the hope is that their symptoms, they may stay the same, but they're not decompensating. They're not getting worse. Um, so to me, that's the fear. And these kids were already falling behind. And so that, that to me, is the biggest concern, especially for our black and brown students, especially for our second uh, or first generation monolingual students that have no kind of concept of resources. Some of the hardest to reach are new immigrants who don't speak English and may not have documents. Often coming from drug war afflicted areas, they find themselves in communities that are also ridden with violence. Their parents may be out of work due to the pandemic or working multiple low-wage jobs to make ends meet. Although these children are able to have the cost of their therapy covered in Alameda County, many undocumented families are unaware they can receive Medi-Cal or are simply too afraid to be in a government database. Yet, without counseling, mental health problems tend to grow, spreading their tentacles into many parts of a young person's life. You know, when people don't get mental health support, that they can kind of spiral into this place that that it's not going to be healthy for them and they're not going to be able to go to, to the Zoom classrooms or to participate or, or to feel good about themselves or, or to feel that they've accomplished things. And so I think it, it may, we may see a higher number of, of students being held back, um, a higher level of students not feeling good enough because they haven't gotten the support that they needed. So they just feel like maybe I'm just going to drop out. School-based counseling often relies on teachers noticing when their students may be struggling with mental health issues and referring them to the program. Even now, in Zoom classes, teachers keep an eye out for students who may be suffering from depression, anxiety, and trauma. 
It could be a high achiever suddenly not turning in work, students not responding when the teacher is reaching out. Disengagement could signify depression. Likewise, always having their camera turned off or sleeping during class could also mean that something is not right. However, it has to be said that some disengagement may be the nature of remote learning for many children. As most kids will tell you, it's simply not the same. When a referral is made, a school-coordinated team that includes a Fred Finch therapist and school staff assess the referral to determine the child's needs. Yet in this new reality, with children home most of the time, parents and guardians may be in the best position to detect mental health problems. Nadia offers some advice on what concerned parents and guardians want to watch for. Her kid is struggling, um, difficult in concentrating. They're really uh, struggling to focus or stick to tasks that maybe they were able to do a little easier. Um, that's something to look for, just changes in their normal behavioral pattern, um, acting out more, or possibly they're more withdrawn, more for the little kids if they're having more tantrums. Um, older kids, if they're just more withdrawn, they really don't want to talk about things, that could be something to look for. Some kids tend to regress to earlier behaviors. Their behaviors are regressing to a younger age. Look, if the kid starts to bed wet, that might be something to look for um, for a middle schooler or a high school uh, age kid. Um, that could be a sign that there's something happening, that there could be some anxiety or some depression happening that the parents need to look for. Um, look at sleep patterns. If they're, are they sleeping more? Are they having insomnia? Um, and then, you know, some kids are just going to say they're bored. But what is the level of boredom? Because that could be a sign of um, of depression. And so, what is that? What does that really look like? Are kids not wanting to engage in activities that they were they find pleasurable or they really like before? Again, with sleeping patterns, look at eating patterns for parents. Are there are there uh, changes in that and then again shifts in social behavior um, there's a lot of isolation for kids and, and kids need peer-to-peer contact and so that uh, separation of engagement with their peers is huge um, and so that could be they're staying in the room all day they're not they don't even want to go out and play or engage with their family or maybe siblings um, those are signs that possibly of depression For parents and guardians concerned their child may be suffering from a mental health problem, the best place to start is with their teacher or an administrator at their school. Fred Finch serves dozens of schools in Alameda and Contra Costa County. At Fred Finch, school-based counseling is trauma-informed, so instead of labeling a behavior or the child as bad, the therapist and participant work to understand the cause of behavior through the lens of trauma experienced by the young person. That could be a loss in the family, community violence, racial injustice, generational trauma, and abuse. It could, and often is, a combination of these traumas. By understanding the root of the issues, the pain and the anger, then they can start to address the resulting mental health issues, such as negative self-image. Though school-based therapy is a short-term intervention, two sisters have been in the program at an Oakland school for four years. Michaela, now 17, recalls how before her work in therapy, the smallest things would make her angry, and she would refuse to take direction from teachers or her grandmother. Kim, her grandmother, would be called to the school often because Michaela would act out, throwing a chair, yelling. I had a really bad attitude. Like I didn't want, like I didn't want to hear any, what anyone had to say. Basically, like, if if I did something wrong and you tried to correct me, I didn't want to listen. It was basically my way or no other, like no way. The slightest thing would set her off. I would get really angry. Yeah. Like it could be like something really small. And I would get really angry and like, I would want to be like very physical. 
and like say like mean and hurtful things. I still do say hurtful things, but not as much as I used to. Their grandmother, Kim, who they call mom, says both her granddaughters have changed dramatically with the therapy. And she has too. They talk more to me. Whenever whenever anything's bothering them, instead of them acting it out and acting crazy, they'll talk to me. And that, that, that helped a lot with the counselors being there for them. They seem to know how to open their feelings up now and let, let people in, you know, so we can, you know, let, let we'll, so that we're there to listen to them and understand. The attitudes are really better. They don't hold stuff in. They don't holler at each other. You know, they've changed me. The reality is that Michaela and her sister, Mariah, have every reason to be angry. Their mother died when they were infants. Their father comes into their lives only sporadically, lost to his own struggles. They have suffered from depression, and they have ADHD. Though Kim says that through medication, these issues have been mediated. Two years ago, Mariah was diagnosed with cancer and has been undergoing treatment. Despite the additional anxiety and the social isolation of the pandemic, the girls are doing okay. They are keeping up with schoolwork and still connecting with friends. In a Zoom conversation, Michaela sat giggling next to her grandmother. Much to Kim's chagrin, she said she preferred not going to campus for school. She gets to hang out with her friends virtually, and that works for her. We'll like make like group calls and stuff to still talk to each other, and we'll like play like online games together. So it doesn't really affect me being away from my friends. We do everything that we did in school just online, and we like it better. It's not just her granddaughters who have benefited from therapy. Kim has too. She often speaks to her granddaughter's therapist for 10 to 15 minutes at the end of the session. All three of us is growing and changing together. All three of us. It used to be that when Kim was called to the school because there was an issue with one of her granddaughters, she would come in hot. I would go to the class. If it wasn't for the, the teacher, when they would call me and say, Michaela's doing this or Mariah's doing that, instead of me going in there calmly, I'd go and act on the food, you know, because they were embarrassing me. And I didn't raise them to be like that. I would go in there and pull them out and be like, come on. You know, so I didn't raise you to be like this or do this or do that. And it don't suit me and it didn't suit them. It didn't, it didn't make me feel better. It didn't make them feel better. So yeah, yeah. I changed and grew a lot too. Now when there's a problem, Kim doesn't yell. She stays calm and listens to her granddaughters before deciding on discipline. Kim says without therapy, they would be stuck with the girls continuing to act out in anger, unaware of what fueled it. And she would still be grasping at straws, trying to figure out what to do. The therapists, all the psychiatrists, the attitudes would be terrible. And they'll tell them where they be at right now. You know, I'll probably be going through it with them, trying to find them, or, you know what I'm saying? So now they need therapists, they need that every day. Me too. I need to talk to somebody too, you know, express my feelings too. Mariah and Michaela transitioned with the other students in Fred Finch's school-based program to online therapy in March. They prefer Zoom for their sessions and continue to get a lot out of them. Therapists have adapted to the needs of their students. Many deliver worksheets and materials for different activities to their homes, which they then work on together during sessions. They also break up the sessions into smaller allotments a few times a week for kids who are struggling to stay focused. One Fred Finch therapist says that while some of her students are doing extra sessions, others have dropped off, at least for the moment. I'm Dahlia Case, um, mental health therapist at Fred Finch Youth and Family Services. Dahlia works with teens at Brankwitz, a continuation high school in Hayward. Engagement right now, she says, depends on their needs and circumstances. There's been a lot of discussion about whether a rapport can be built between a therapist and a client when all contact is virtual. But Dahlia says she's seen no correlation between current engagement and whether or not she had worked with them on campus pre-COVID. 
It's so interesting because there's no pattern. There's no, there seems to be no rhyme or reason with how people are responding. So there are some participants that I've had beforehand in person who are still really engaged in services and this platform works really well for them. Others of them, I have lost a lot of meaningful contact with because they have a lot of other challenges that come up. They need to work and to help support their families and all these different challenges have come on that have lessened our engagement. Whereas the students that I have started with since Shelter in Place, you know, a couple of them I speak with multiple times a week that there's really high engagement. And so it ultimately seems to depend upon the student and what their needs are, independent of what when I met them pre or post COVID. Telehealth therapy is filling a pressing need, but she and other Fred Finch therapists are eager to get back to normal and back to the school sites and in-person therapy when the pandemic ends. For parents looking for some advice on how to help their children during this time, Dahlia has this to say. It is advice I give myself. Take it one day at a time to have an idea of what you would like for your family, but then to, then to discuss it and to be mindful of expectations that there's a lot going on and being willing to be flexible and gentle with yourself and your child. That this is not something any of us have ex- have experienced. And I know that has been said so much throughout these past eight, nine months, um, but it's true really just trying to see what your child needs and what you what you need as a family as a parent not being afraid to ask for help not being afraid to tell someone at the school that your child needs help you know that there's just so much happening and so much uncertainty and that's okay and that there are lots of people from various aspects and various agencies or just spheres of life who want to support and who have supports um but it i know it's hard to locate them and find them and so just trying not to insulate yourselves, um, but reach out for help and support that there are so many communities of people who, who want to help during this time. This has been On the Wire with Fred Finch. To learn more about our programs, including our school-based programs, visit us online at fredfinch.org. That's F-E-R-E-D-F-I-N-C-H dot O-R-G. Our show is produced by Sarah Krupp and Julie Henderson. Our sound engineer is Paula Bajan of Mantra House Studios. I'm your host, Sarah Krupp.